Good afternoon to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the second hour of Southern California Live on this fine Thursday in Southern California. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former first baseman for the Palmdale Pirates back in my Little League days. And uh, I was, remember the Pirates, if you're a baseball fan, they used to have those square hats and the black pants and the yellow shirts. Uh, Our coach decided he didn't like the cheesy Little League outfits and spent his own money to buy us professional-looking outfits. And uh, it was really cool for us, and the rest of the league was furious. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, that's how it goes, you know, those kinds of controversies. But I say it because I want to appeal again to Major League Baseball. Let's put the lockout aside and play ball. Uh, let's have a better perspective on what baseball has meant in the history of our country. And we need it. We need it right now. we got crazy things going on. People are wondering, are we going to have World War III Are we going to uh, get more involved in what's going on? Should we be there? Should we not? What's the perspective? And it's it's not to slight the other sports. I mean, we've got the world champion Rams. That's exciting. Right here in our town, we've got the better, doing better than expected LA Hockey Kings. And uh, they're kind of exciting. And, uh, you know, the Lakers need some help. And uh, the Clippers actually have a better record than the Lakers. But we don't want to talk about that. But we love basketball and we love our teams. Uh, so anyway, there you go. This is Southern California Live. We're live three to five each and every weekday in LA on KKLA and in San Diego on KPRZ. And if you ever miss an hour of our program, the podcast gets posted eventually on the websites, kkla.com. Just look for Southern California Live and kprz.com, Southern California Live. You can also uh, connect with us right now on the phone, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Love to hear your thoughts about what's going on in Ukraine and the war, what has uh, what is on your heart, what's on your mind? Uh, share it with me this hour. I'm going to give you some more perspective. Normally, we change the subject a little bit, but um, I think this is kind of where we're at as far as talking about this today. And um, I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, I think that there's a goal for Putin to probably take the whole country over in a matter of days. And uh, I think maybe he can do that, but I do have a sense that uh, many Ukrainians are going to fight. And maybe it's going to turn into an Iraq situation where they're going to be sort of like the Iraqi army and just fold into the crowd and have an insurgency for a while. And um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where it's going to go. What we were told by President Biden today is that our plan is to not get into conflict, armed conflict with in Ukraine is what he said. I think he was very, very... Uh, particular in saying that, that uh, he recognizes the danger of the spilling over, or maybe Putin has other things going on. Maybe Putin isn't just interested in Ukraine. Maybe Putin is, you know, he's, he's 69 years old, which for American politicians is super young. However, 69, you know, it's getting up there. It's beyond retirement age for uh, most other professions in the world. And uh, I don't know. President of France, Marcon, said uh, he's just acting strangely. Did you see there, there are these meetings that Putin is having with his, his cabinet and people, and they all sit really weird. So Putin is alone at a desk, and everybody else sitting kind of in an individual high-backed chair. Now, these are the, like, like his cabinet, okay, the economic person and the, um, you know, whatever the interior person and however those things work. And one of those people is the head of the KGB, his chief spy, basically. And it looks like a scene from an old 1960s James Bond movie, you know, where Spectre is meeting and it's just really creepy. I expect Putin to have a white cat there with a diamond necklace and he's petting it. We don't get to see his face. We just see, you know, that going on. 
and he addresses the people who are sitting out there, and he says, number number two, tell me what is going on. Well, his, uh, his, I don't know if you saw this video, but you should look it up. He's talking to his spy chief, and it's actually pretty frightening. He says to his spy chief, he starts challenging him. He starts challenging him to be specific about whether or not he supports this invasion. And he talks about, the spy chief says something like, well, uh, and it's all in Russian, so what, I'm not going to play it on the radio. That'd be a little bit weird. But the spy chief actually says, uh, I do support the idea of of independence. And he's, no, 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 no. What do you really think? And he starts to challenge him. And the spy chief, the head of the KGB, is clearly afraid. I mean, you see it in his face. You see this smirk and sarcasm coming from Putin, but you see his spy chief, just like one of those specter guys in the James Bond movies, terrified. And I think it's because his life's in danger. I think it's because actually uh, a hole might happen in the floor and he's going to drop down and into the alligators that are below or something like that. And that sounds funny, but that's how it looks. That's really what we're dealing with here. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557, no, 888-528-2557 is the number. You can also email me at SoCalLive if uh, sending a, making a phone call is not convenient for you right now, 888-528-2557. I wanted us to take a moment and really talk about some things from the standpoint of perspective and to get into another subject that happened uh, yesterday, but something that we've talked about this week that's been a big deal for people. There's something that I think it matters the way we speak about this. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced yesterday during this program that he was removing his emergency powers. And earlier this week, we talked about those emergency powers, and there's lots of concern about a democratic nation where suddenly the government takes emergency powers, the kind of powers that the president of Ukraine is doing right now with good reason. He has an emergency. Bombs are falling. His country is under existential threat. People are dying in the streets. It's a horrible situation. That's what emergency powers usually are there for. You suspend the Constitution or you suspend the rules so that you can very quickly make decisions to protect your nation. Well, Canada has a way of doing this, and it's really meant to be in case of clear and present danger to the country. But President uh, Prime Minister Trudeau um, did this in order to respond to the truckers that were protesting in Ottawa, the capital of Canada. And, you know, they were – I don't think there's any violence as far as what we could see. They were blocking traffic and causing some economic problems and annoying some of the neighbors. Uh, For sure, that was going on. But people questioned whether or not it was an emergency – And in doing so, what he was allowed to do is without any due process at all, he can actually freeze the bank accounts of people who are involved. One person had her bank account frozen because she donated $50 to their um, cause, $50, and suddenly her bank account is frozen and she has no recourse. Uh, That's pretty scary, that kind of political power. Well, that ended yesterday. And Trudeau said the situation is no longer an emergency, and therefore the federal government will be ending the use of the Emergencies Act. And uh, then he says, we are confident that existing laws and bylaws are sufficient to keep people safe. Now, the reason he said that is because while one part of the parliament voted in his favor in order to – and if they would have voted no, they would have had to have an election. There were some other reasons why they voted to uh, keep the emergency powers. The other part of the government was about to vote him down. And there's something that's important for us to understand. 
a lot of people were saying he's a dictator, and now we have a dictator north of our border. And we say these kinds of things, and certainly he took power that I would suggest he shouldn't really have had, and many Canadians have said that. But here's something that, from a perspective, I think we should have, that even in Canada, he has to have uh, support. He doesn't have party majority at all. He has to have support from his Congress, for lack of a better word, from the Parliament, um, with other members of Parliament, so that he can continue this emergency member. And even in their constitution, the way it works is the emergency will automatically expire within 30 days unless Parliament affirmatively votes to keep extending it. And then once this emergency does terminate, which it now has, there will be an independent inquiry. They're going to look into why did you make this decision? They're going to then actually report to Parliament on whether or not the government used its temporary powers correctly. And something that's interesting is his dad invoked emergency powers when he was the prime minister in 1970 to, in this case, combat a terrorist cell in Quebec. And public opinion was with him at first, but it didn't take long for public opinion to change. And people thought that was an abuse of power. And uh, his party suffered serious losses in the next election there in 1972. And there is a political pressure that you have in a democracy such as Canada that's different than ours, that is less free than ours, by the way, but it is a democracy, a political pressure against the prime minister for doing this, and he had to fall to it. It caught up to him very quickly, actually. And the reason I'm saying this is because when we start saying now we have a, he's a dictator and we start comparing him to, we always make, people make these Hitler comparisons. I don't like the Hitler comparison. Biden's Hitler, uh, Trump was Hitler, uh, Trump was Hitler, uh, Obama was Hitler, everybody we don't like suddenly is Hitler. You know, if everybody's Hitler, then nobody's Hitler. Let Hitler be Hitler. And let's examine other people for the things they actually do. Okay, let's do that. But if we're going to make Hitler comparisons, if we're going to compare world leaders to uh, these kinds of of evil dictators, dictators who proved over time to be evil, then let's take a look at what they're doing and are they killing people? Are they starting wars? Are they doing things that are just in the in the world of crazy? And the reason I'm saying this is I think that even as part of our testimony, just to have the perspective that, you know, what's going on in Canada and some of the concerns that we have here, I'm concerned about the fact that in the state of California, Sacramento just voted uh, last week to maintain or two weeks ago to maintain the state of emergency, giving the governor and giving the health officials powers that they normally would not have had. The mask mandates and the other things, these are not laws. They are mandates under this emergency authority. It's really hard to believe that we have a COVID emergency when we just had the Super Bowl and 100,000 people who nobody even tried to wear a mask, even though they were all given a fancy mask. Uh, they didn't do it. Hard to see it as an emergency, right? So I've got these concerns. But I also know that we have elections. I also know we have people who are paying attention. And maybe we've been asleep for a while, but I know that we're, we have the capability of, of changing this. And tyranny and dictatorship in our country or in countries like Canada uh, are very hard. And we saw some pretty serious and scary things in Australia, um, powers coming from the government that they have now released. And those things are things to be concerning. But here's what I want to really make sure we understand. Trudeau is no Putin. Putin is a bad guy. He is evil, and he has proven this over and over again. And in his government, he has complete authority. There is no – they have elections, but they're fake. We all know they're fake. He gets, what, 98% of the vote? 
Nobody gets that. You know, it is a rigged election. It actually is a rigged election uh, in every sense of it. And uh, there is absolute power. Even when Putin stepped out of the presidency, remember he did that and there was some other puppet guy behind him for about eight years and then he said, nah, I want it back. Uh, He was still in charge. What you see happening in Russia is incredible. Putin was able to go out and say to the people that he's going to denazify Ukraine, like there are a bunch of Nazis running around over there. And it made me wonder, I thought, you know, in the old days, the Soviet Union used to teach an alternate history. I wonder if part of that history was that the people in these other states are all Nazis. And uh, why would he say he's going to denazify Ukraine? What does that even mean to those people? It's an odd thing to say for us. We think he's crazy, but maybe he's not. Maybe in in the culture there, it actually meant something serious to, to them. Putin has been somebody who is a murderer. President Biden, do you remember this? In one of the uh, debates right before COVID, he was actually asked uh, by some moderator, do you think that President Putin is a murderer? And he said, yes. Um, And I think it even stunned people because people thought he might have more of a politically nuanced uh, answer. And uh, he didn't. He just said it. And you know what? He is correct about this. This is a lot different. Whatever you think of Justin Trudeau or whatever you think of of President Biden or Donald Trump or whoever your least favorite world leader is, the person that you would never vote for, they're not Putin. They're not. And it leads me to really get into why we need to pay attention to this. And maybe the most we can do is pray about these things. But there are several people who are saying that uh, this doesn't matter, that we, we shouldn't be paying attention to it, that issues in this hemisphere are more important. And maybe in some respect that's true. There's a certain truth that says, you know, this is going on over there, and as long as he stops in Ukraine, it probably doesn't affect us uh, much more. And, you know, that could happen. I think it could happen that we have all these tough words and sanctions, but what we're going to do is appease them eventually, like we did in Crimea and like we did uh, in Georgia, uh, like we've done at other times with them. And, uh, you know, we've closed down the pipeline in Germany, but, uh, you know, six months, nine months from now, what do you think that's probably going to open up? It's like, well, you know, what's done is done and Ukraine has taken over. Uh, I guess we'll give it back to him. That's going to happen and it's going to embolden him to take another step. And what happens if he goes into uh, a NATO country? Do you know that Finland and Sweden, Finland is actually asking to be part of NATO. All this time they've avoided it, but they're very concerned. Sweden is considering now being a part of NATO. This is affecting the world. It's not just a a family squabble over there. Uh, It's not something that doesn't affect us. It does. And in this case, we have a dictator who thinks he owns it, who thinks that he has a right to it. Uh, That is something that we should take very, very seriously with a historical perspective. Because what happens in the world is that these guys who do have absolute power become very corrupt. They become maybe a little bit insane. Uh, the president of France, Marcon, thought that that Putin is acting very differently and very strangely, and probably because he's got a big secret, right? He's going to invade Ukraine. But maybe it's a little bit more than that. And I want to encourage you, as there are some people on the air, uh, Tucker Carlson is one of them who kind of surprises me that he's, they're not really rooting. The left will say, oh, these people are rooting for Putin. They're not rooting for Putin. 
But I think that we are missing something here. We're missing the nuance that these guys are not living in the same type of world that we live in. Remember when Hillary Clinton became the Secretary of State and she went over there with her Staples reset button? Do you remember this? It says reset on it in Russian, except she got it wrong. It said overcharged, um, which is kind of funny. And uh, like we got it completely wrong. And what bothered me about that at the time, and it still bothers me now, is do we think that the Russians are watching ESPN and they know what the Staples Easy button is? Do they even understand the joke? Why do we think they would even understand that joke? What an odd thing to do. And they thought it was odd. This is super odd. And this is a perspective that I think sometimes we get wrong. John Kerry, former Secretary of State, a couple of days ago was talking about the potential invasion that was about to happen. And... uh, He says, you know, the invasion would be bad, would be bad for the people of Ukraine. But then he says, equally importantly, and this is what he says, play the Kerry clip. You're going to lose people's focus. You're going to lose certainly big country attention because they will be diverted. And and, uh, I think it could have a damaging impact. So, you know, I think hopefully President Putin would realize that in the northern part of his country, they used to live on 66% of a nation that was over frozen land. Now it's thawing, and his infrastructure is at risk, and the people of Russia are at risk. And so I hope President Putin will help us to stay on track with respect to what we need to do for the climate. The former Secretary of State thinks that the climate change issue is equally important as the invasion of Ukraine. That's what his thought is, and what he hopes is that President Putin is going to be keeping the focus on the climate change issue and how things are going, that he thinks that uh, the president, President Putin actually cares about this. I don't think President Putin cares a lick about this, not at all, not in the slightest. And I feel like there's a thought that is in the highest level of our government with a lot of people, that people over there, that President Putin thinks the same way as we do, and he doesn't. He simply doesn't. He is a dictator who has made it clear that he wants to restore the former Soviet Union. And if that is what he wants to do, if he's saying to himself, and he's an atheist, okay, he does not expect that he is going to stand before a living God one day and have to give an account for what he did with his power. He does not expect that at all. I think what he thinks is that I'm 69, I'm getting old, unless I was an American in politics, 69 is pretty old. And I would like to have a 75-foot statue of me sitting on a horse with no shirt holding up a sword one day, somewhere in Moscow or maybe somewhere in Kiev, because I was able to restore the Soviet Union. And we don't teach this anymore, but here's something you've got to know. He's a communist, an actual communist. And the strangest thing about our culture, and if you're younger, I beg you to look at history. I beg you to take a look at what communism has done. Communism is about what's happening right now. This battle that's going on is a result of 100 years of communism. It's a result of countries coming out of communism who want freedom, who are struggling to do it, but it's hard when you're under some, some terrible uh, totalitarian godless system. And that, by the way, is what it is. It is godless. The reason we have in God we trust on our money isn't as much because we're a Christian nation, as we'd like to think so. It's because we, are, we were battling against the Russians and communism, and one of the most evil things about that system is it denies that there is a God, and it makes the state 
the highest authority of all. And it means that your rights come from the state, which means that the state has the right to take your rights away if they want to because they're the ones who give them to you. So that's the opposite of us. It's the opposite of freedom where we believe that God gives the rights, certain inalienable rights. Maybe you've heard that before. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, among others. Are you with me with here with this? This is a perspective that we need to have. This is an evil man. This is an evil man who does what he wants and he's getting away with it. And now we're looking at somebody who has started a war where he is killing probably by now a couple hundred innocent people, could be thousands before this is done. President Biden is saying they will be unimaginable losses. I hope he's wrong, but he may not be. And he's doing it for what? He's doing it for power. He's doing it for protection of his income for that country, and he's doing it for his own legacy, and that's the reason. It's not good. We need to have that perspective, and we need to pray according to that perspective. And in our conversations, we need to, I think, be sober-minded about what this kind of uh, uh, leader is capable of doing, this one who has threatened us and the world uh, today. It's a big deal. Uh, Don't doubt me. This is something that is a a very significant deal, and we need to have the right perspective on it. All right, you have a perspective on this. You can give me a call right here at Southern California Live right now. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'll be back in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. Wonderful to be with you, as it always is, in our radio family here. And we are getting some perspective today on the war in Europe, the war in Ukraine. And we have spent some time talking about Christians in Ukraine in the first hour and how to pray for them. And I wanted to spend some time here talking about the perspective that we need to have about why this is happening. And I think it's really important. There is a uh, one of my favorite movies ever. My favorite superhero movie is is The Dark Knight, Batman uh, movie. And uh, there's a line in it that I'm going to play for you here in a second that I thought is just brilliant, actually, because it it cuts through some of the thinking of human behavior. There's a thought that I think some of us have, some of us, I mean Americans, um, that all the people need – uh, in parts of the world where there is violence and difficult things is they just need a job. They just need like to become, there was an article in the New York Times several years ago that it was about ISIS and what to do about ISIS. And the suggestion was that uh, these young men, why do they join ISIS? And they had a picture of a guy, he's not wearing a shirt, but he's got belts of bullets across you know his chest and he's got guns and he's got uh, you know the whole look going on. And uh, the idea is this guy needs a job, that the reason that uh, he's joining ISIS is because there's no available positions, you know, at the Kabul Starbucks, that if he could just become a barista and uh, get some college credits, you know, he wouldn't do that. And I remember thinking this going, you people are crazy. He has a job. His job is terrorist with ISIS. That's his job. They pay him. They feed him. It's family. It is how he he wants to do that. He doesn't want to get some desk job somewhere pushing papers. He doesn't want to go to college. He is passionate about his job. It is religious fervor. He believes he's called by God to do this, and he's getting paid, and he's got food to eat, and he's got a roof over his head. He has a job. It's crazy, right? That was my thought with all of that. Some people are beyond that. There are some people who do some bad things. And the reason they're doing bad things 
is because they want to do bad things. And for some reason, that's not a very politically correct view. The politically correct view is that all people are basically good and all people are good people. And you just need to find out, you know, how to make sure that their goodness can come out and give them that opportunity. And then they will be good and they will stop being bad. That is not scriptural. That is also not real in any reality. And I like the Batman movie in this particular line. The the scene here is Alfred, if you know the movie, talking to Bruce Wayne about why the Joker is such a bad guy and that he can't be reasoned with. And he gives him this example. Go ahead and play the clip. With respect, Master Wayne, perhaps this is a man you don't fully understand either. A long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends and I were working for the local government. They were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But their caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anyone who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. So why steal them? Well, because he thought it was good sport, because some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Some men just want to watch the world burn. That's true of some men. Some men can be reasoned with and some men can be uh, worked with. Sometimes maybe some people just need a job. They, certainly some people need education. They need, there's some rationale to that, but there are some people who are just evil. There are just some people who are passionate about something beyond maybe what we have in experience. In, in Putin's case, he's passionate about restoring the former Soviet Union. What he has said is that the biggest tragedy of the 20th century is not the Holocaust. It's not World War II. It's not World War I. It's not anything that went on. The biggest tragedy is the fall of the Soviet Union. That's what he says. And he wants to restore that. He believes that Ukraine, as well as many of the other countries around there, which is why he is, why this is a dangerous thing, he believes that Ukraine belongs to him anyway. Same argument that China is using with Taiwan. And the argument is made, well, it used to be part of us. And the notion here that's being said is, well, because it used to be part of our empire, our former empire or our former territory, then we have a right to it now. And my friends, that has to be refuted. The ambassador to Kenya at the United Nations, uh, this is a video, I'm not going to play all of it. Uh, this is a statement that he made that is really, really amazing, where what he does is he talks about Kenya and the history of Kenya with colonialism and how the borders were shaped of a lot of African nations. But listen to where he takes it. And he's, he's saying this in response to Putin saying that they have a right to just take Ukraine. Go ahead and play clip number one from Kenya. This situation echoes our history. Kenya and almost every African country was birthed by the ending of empire. Our borders were not of our own drawing. They were drawn in the distant colonial metropoles of London, Paris and Lisbon, with no regard for the ancient nations that they cleaved apart. Today, across the border of every single African country live our countrymen, with whom we share deep historical, cultural, and linguistic bonds. At independence, had we chosen to pursue states on the basis of ethnic, racial, or religious homogeneity, we would still be waging bloody wars 
these many decades later. Instead, we agreed that we would settle for the borders that we inherited, but we would still pursue continental political, economic, and legal integration, rather than form nations that looked ever backwards into history with a dangerous nostalgia, we chose to look forward to a greatness none of our many nations and peoples had ever known. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Notice what he says. Now, this is something that goes against some of the thinking today. This is the ambassador of Kenya to the United Nations, and it's brilliant. He says, we cannot be beholden to a dangerous nostalgia essentially for the burning embers of empires of the past. I think that's really, really a great response to Putin saying that he has some claim to Ukraine. The same thing could be said, I believe, my opinion, of China and Taiwan, that it is dangerous, he says, to do this, and that it ignores the fact that we can move on to future greatness, to something even better than anybody has ever had. Go to clip number two from Kenya. We chose to follow the rules of the Organization of African Unity and the United Nations Charter, not because our borders satisfied us, but because we wanted something greater forged in peace. We believe that all states formed from empires that have collapsed or retreated have many peoples in them yearning for integration with peoples in neighboring states. This is normal and understandable. After all, who does not want to be joined to their brethren and to make common purpose with them? However, Kenya rejects such a yearning from being pursued by force. We must complete our recovery from the embers of dead empires in a way that does not plunge us back into new forms of domination and oppression. It's a powerful speech. This is Martin Kamani, the Kenyan ambassador to the UN, responding to Putin's rationale for taking Ukraine. And Kenya has a voice here, uh, and many African nations do. They were formed, their borders anyway, were formed because of colonialism, particularly British uh, colonialism. There's a lot of conversation about that, a lot of, of, of damage that's happened there. And that's kind of the way the world has worked, right? Most countries came from some other country at some point. Somebody gets stronger and they take them over and uh, it doesn't make it right, but it is what happens. What the African nations have tried to do is they have not denied that the borders are in the wrong place or that it divided families or people of, of a historical significant background. It certainly did, and this happens with colonialism and this kind of thing. But he also says that there is a greater purpose. There is a greater future. And that in order to do that, one of the things that's greater is to stop this kind of um, human activity that has always gone on with power that leads to war, that leads to other things. And I thought this was a great perspective to have on this. You know, I've had a lot of conversations about whether or not you know, Ukraine does belong to Russia. I suppose you can make an argument. You can make an argument that uh, Taiwan belongs to China. That one's coming uh, eventually, hopefully not, but uh, maybe soon in all of this. But you know what? There's something greater about the future and not living in the past. Have you thought about this? I mean, even from the, the standpoint of our own lives, how often are we held back because we cannot get out of the burning embers of our past? A past failure, a past uh, 
you know, championship we used to have. Some somebody sent me a video of the 1987 homecoming game from my high school, and it was amazing. It was just, you know, that was a great game. We came from way behind. It was a thrill to watch it. I keep pausing it to see if I can find myself in the stand. I couldn't remember where I was sitting. And it occurred to me, gosh, I hope that nobody is really watching this, and that's the good old days for them. And so often that is, right? You know, Philippians 3.13, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Isaiah 43, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing, the Lord says. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, a perspective that is important for us to have is that we need to look forward. And this matters for our own lives. It also matters for countries. It also matters for looking forward in the idea that we want to be peaceful together. The idea that, you know, the UN is kind of a joke, to be honest with you, but we need to do it. We need to hopefully have some kind of way to have countries talk to each other. Uh, and maybe there's just a better idea out there. Maybe it's just better diplomacy, better other things. But we should look to the future. Even in our own country, we think a lot about where we have been in the past but we have to look to the for, to the future. We're in a different world now. What's happening potentially in front of our eyes is a different world order. And what that means is that America is not going to have the role we used to have. I mean, that's, that's just what that means. Maybe there's still something greater in the future. And as we think about this perspective, I think, number one, we reject Putin's uh, idea that he has a right to this war in Ukraine. He does not. But also we take a look and we say, you know what? We don't know what God's plan is, but we do know that God wants us to be a people who are about peace, about doing the right things, about being truthful. And we need to push forward into a better world as long as that is the will of God for us to do, as long as that God allows us to do that before uh, the end times are really here. Maybe they're here now and we don't have a choice, but if they're not, there's still a lot of good works that we can do as people Uh, in the name of Christ for humanity and for believers around the world and for the sake of the gospel that people need to hear. Are you with me with this on this perspective? I wanted to give it. I think it matters. 888-528-2557. If you want to respond, that's our number. 888-LA-TALKS. 888-528-2557. This is the Thursday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow with you again today on this Thursday edition of our program. And we've been talking about the war in Ukraine. I know there's other things to talk about, but that seems to be really what we should get some perspective on and talk about today. We have a few more minutes. If you want to give us a call, give us your perspective, your questions, your thoughts about what's going on in Europe. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. You know, there is a great, great passage in the book of Hebrews, you know, Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter is what it is. Many people call it that. And we we see these stories and heroes of the faith who are in there. And I've been thinking about this uh, right now and uh, just recently. What about this generation? What does it mean, these phrases, you know, new world order? I always remember George Herbert Walker Bush, he freaked everybody out when he said that in a State of the Union address after the Soviet Union fell and the Berlin Wall fell. 
And, uh, you know, he said something like, we've come to this great time in history, a new world order. And everybody thought, well, what do you mean, new world order? Are you the head of it? People used to accuse. There's a Simpsons episode where George Bush is secretly running the world, and it's hilarious. Um, and uh, that's, it wasn't really happening as far as we know. You know, maybe. He probably would have won re-election had that been true, I would think. Uh, new world order, though, it scares people, and I see that all over the news today and what that means. And it could change things for Christians. It's certainly changing that for them right now in Ukraine. And it will change things for us. There's a lot of question that we have in our culture about coming out of the pandemic. What does it look like for the church? Lots of articles. Maybe I get a lot more of it because I'm a pastor. But gosh, every day I've got some new email from some some smart guy out there who thinks he's figured out, you know, what the church is going to look like in the next five years. You know, but whatever it is, God is calling us to be faithful, regardless of our circumstances. So Hebrews 11, you got the faith of Abraham, and you got the faith of uh, Enoch and Noah and uh, all these guys, Sarah, um, so many other people in there, and they had done amazing things in their faith, and they did it without really realizing the goal of their faith. Like, we, we have faith because we have realized that we have salvation through Christ and his death and resurrection, and we can say, you know, oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? And we look forward to resurrection. We know who the Savior is. We understand who the Messiah is. And one of the great things, and we still have faith in the resurrection that that's true and that God's promises are true, that one day Jesus will return again and be the king and uh, take care of everything, make everything right. Uh, There will be true justice. There will be no more death, no more sadness, no more wars, no more uh, tears, no more misery, no more suffering. Uh, That's great. We have that to look forward to. That is a promise of the living God. We have that. The faith of these believers who went through all kinds of incredible things, and they suffered greatly. David and Samuel and the prophets, uh, they did so many things. Some faced, Hebrews eleven thirty six. some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. Sounds like a magic act, but it's not. Like, for real. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. And then this great line, the world was not worthy of them. You know, I think that, the revival that might be coming in the church and maybe the revival that we're going to see in Europe and it needs revival. The the church in Europe um, is just so small. A friend of mine was a missionary to Ireland. He said Ireland has the lowest number of evangelical Christians in the world today. Can you believe that? Ireland. It's like half of 1%. And it was encouraging to hear in the last hour from Pastor Barnes, who was in Ukraine, about what the church is doing there. But even he had to say, you know, the Protestantism is very small uh, in Ukraine, and it's very small in Europe. Think about this new generation and what could be happening. Could we be a people who one day future generations will look back and they will say the world was not worthy of us? Isn't that inspiring? Uh, that maybe the world will look back and say it wasn't worthy of us, that we will be commended for the faith that we had in God, for how we cared about other people, how we really did what the Word of God tells us to do. I think that just is an incredible, uh, incredible way to look at what's possible, that this wouldn't be in the New Testament if God wasn't calling us to that, by the way.
if it wasn't really part of God's plan. Maybe what we're seeing here is, for sure, what we're seeing in some way is the reorganization of the world order, and that's how, you know, eventually it leads to the end times stuff, okay? And I know that's on everybody's mind. It has been now for a couple of years, and it could be true. But it also could be that we're going to be here a thousand years, and that there's a lot more forbearance that God is going to have with our sin and with our, our struggle. And imagine if what really is happening is a new great awakening global one, one in Europe, one in Asia, one in Africa, in North America, where the church has stopped growing in North America. It's growing like crazy in Asia. You know, there is the possibility of something different than maybe he thinks that maybe the faith of us and of our kids and of this generation that is growing up is going to be so profound, so amazing, so wonderful. The future generations will say the world is not worthy of us. I like that. First Peter chapter 2, I'm going to leave uh, with this here, just some thoughts. You know, what do we do? We live in this, uh, in this world where we have to remember, as passionate as we are about our country, as strongly as I know many of you feel about this going on. Some of you feel strongly that we should be involved. I had one conversation with somebody who thinks that we need to send in all of our forces right now that this is World War III unless we go in militarily. Most people I'm talking to are saying we shouldn't do anything, that uh, just let them do their thing and we can be the goalie and keep it from spilling over. I think that's the the current plan. Um, And hopefully that's, hopefully Putin actually just returns and goes back with his tail between his legs and learns something. But whatever the case is, our first thing as believers is to be ambassadors of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, that's us, to abstain from sinful desires. And we do that because, he says right away, which wage war against your soul. You know, one of the reasons that we struggle so much is because of the sin in our life, the sinful desires, not that we struggle with, but that we go after on purpose. That's what is the war against your soul. Because you do have the Holy Spirit with you if you're a believer, And uh, you can't live in both camps. You just can't. And it tears you apart when you do. Repent, turn to the Lord, and it heals your body. It heals your bones, and it gives you perspective and ministry and purpose and meaning. It improves your confidence. It improves uh, your health and your faith. Verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that that though they accuse you of doing wrong, which, by the way, more and more, especially in our country right now, we're getting accused of doing wrong even when we're doing right. It's one thing to be accused of doing wrong when we are doing wrong. Well, then we should be accused of doing wrong and we need to quit it. But what's going to happen in our country and what's happening more and more is we're accused of doing wrong when we're doing right. We're accused of doing wrong when we do not accept uh, many of the things in the gender arguments, when we do not accept things like abortion when we speak out against injustice and oppression and racism and other things, there are different people who think we're, we're either wrong in the opinion altogether or we're wrong in how we, you know, there's so many ways we could be accused of doing wrong. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves to the Lord, to, uh, to every human authority, whether the emperor as the supreme authority, he's talking about Nero there of all people, or to governors who are sent to him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right, for it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, 
but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. I think that's where you can kind of get into, well, if I'm supposed to submit to the authorities, what if they want me to do evil? Well, don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Uh, We have the great blessing of being free. We live as God's slaves, it says. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. As we leave today, you know what? Let's do this. Let's show proper respect to everyone, even people who might disagree with our perspective on things. Let's love the family of believers, and especially today the family of believers who are suffering in Ukraine. Let's fear God, honor the emperor. We need to pray for President Biden and all the leaders. Whatever you think, you can blame Biden for it. You know, Take it out on him at the, ba- at the ballot box eventually. You can blame Trump. You can blame Obama. There's a lot of blame, I think, to go around. But right now we need, we need President Biden to be great. We need President Biden to be on the ball. We need him to make great decisions and to lead these other countries to whatever respect we have leadership in greatness. And who's going to be the Churchill right now? Who's going to be the FDR? Who is the Eisenhower? I don't know, but we should pray that those people are here and that those people lead well, that this war doesn't get worse, that Putin is defeated, that he goes back and people's lives are saved and uh, that in all of this, God is glorified by everything. Would you pray for those things? I'm out of time. Pray for them when you get a moment. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I will see you tomorrow from three to five. God bless.